today we continue with week three of our four-week sermon series, studying scripture texts where Jesus and his disciples are close to or engaged with water in meaningful ways, and uncovering how the larger truth of those stories intersects with our lives in the here and the now. If you have been following along, you know that for the month of July, we are going to take part in the sermon moment a little differently through study and through guided conversation. So I want to invite you today to pull out your study Bible at home and to turn to the Gospel of John chapter 5. If you are wondering about the best way to find John's Gospel in your Bible, it is helpful to remember that John is in the New Testament section um, of your Bible and that the Gospel of John comes after the Gospel of Luke as the fourth of the four Gospels in the New Testament section. You can also use your table of contents at the front of your Bible to help you find it, um, if you're wondering. I also want to invite you to take a pen or a pencil and underline and circle to mark up the text as we read. As you listen, underline words or phrases that stand out to you. What do you wonder about as you hear this story? What questions do you have? Maybe write questions on a separate piece of paper or in the margins of your Bible. Additionally, I want to encourage you to add any specific thoughts or questions that you have as we talk. Um, if you're watching on Facebook, you can add into the comments and we look forward to engaging those and answering them um, in the week ahead. Remember when studying scripture, nothing is too simple or too obvious to wonder about. Pay attention to the details, forgetting what we know often opens up new and exciting insights about the text. As we prepare to read and study together today, I want to offer a few details about our text from John chapter 5. First off, our story in John takes place at the site of one of only two miracles that Jesus performed in Jerusalem, both associated water, at a place known as the Pools of Bethesda. Today, the remnants of those pools are located in the Muslim quarter of Old Jerusalem, near the Church of St. Anne and the Lion's Gate, which would have been known in Jesus' day as the Sheep Gate, which you will hear referred to in our passage because of the access to the temple for sacrificing lambs. Secondly, in part, the pools were places of refreshment. Water was always critical for life in this part of the world during Jesus' lifetime. Tired pilgrims would have headed to the pools like this one in large crowds to refresh themselves and partake in ritual cleansing before going into worship at the temple. During festival times, as is the case in our story today, there would have been exceptionally large crowds at the pool. In addition to being a place for refreshment and ritual cleansing, the pools at Bethesda also had a reputation for healing. In Hebrew, Bethesda means house of mercy, and the pool's healing power were a long-standing pagan tradition. It was believed that the water in the pool would stir up, and upon emerging, one or more people would receive a desired cure for whatever ailed them. It was thought that each stirring of the water only had so many possible healings. So the quicker you get into the stirring of the waters, the better chance you have of securing one of those scarce healing spots. I want to show you a picture from the side of the pools today. 
As you can see from the image, the large site is below ground, and therefore the only access to the pools is by staircase. For someone struggling physically, emotionally, mentally with any kind of disability, getting unstuck and into the pool by yourself would have been virtually impossible. With all of this in your mind's eye, I want you to listen now for a word from God to us from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool in Hebrew called Bethesda, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Perhaps this day you are struggling with being stuck somewhere, and the despair that tomorrow will be just like today paralyzes you body, mind, and spirit. Friends, trust this day that the healing mercy of God through Jesus Christ is extended to you without judgment or requirement, but to set you free. So rise, take up your mat, and walk. All thanks be to God. Amen. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Sarah. So, um, so one of the things that I, uh, that I want to start with when it comes to this passage that I was curious about when I initially read is wondering about why this man in particular. So as we heard in the introduction, this pool would have been really crowded for the festival. Um, and the scripture text says that there were people who were blind and lame. I mean, all kinds of people. And I wonder, um, as you read and listened, why, why do you think Jesus chooses this man in particular? What, um, what raises your curiosity about that? And is there anything in the text um, that leads you to wonder? Um, yeah. Kathy, what do you think? Well, I think it's funny, like you talk about the pools, that we hear more about the setting itself than the man, mm. right? There's more descriptors about what's happening around him than about him himself. We don't know what his illness is. We don't have a name. Um, but what we do know is that he's been there for a long time. Yeah. So the, I think that the length of time that he's been there um, is what's been mentioned twice, that he has um, been ill and that he had been there for 38 years and that this is something that Jesus knew about him. Yeah. And we don't know how Jesus learned that information. Was it intuitive? Did the crowd tell him? Um, I was, I mean, Jesus seems to, Jesus seems to have this uncanny ability to know things about people, which is both a little disconcerting, um, but also, um, but also a little cool. I mean, it seems like perhaps somehow Jesus just knows. Well, and that reminds me of the story in the chapter previous about him meeting the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, right? You think he's just approaching a woman who, again, has no name. She's at a well, but then he knows her entire backstory. And yeah. she's like, okay, this is something real here. Yeah. And But the exchange here is interesting because 
the man doesn't know who Jesus is. Um, but I think he obviously is lacking friendships. He's lacking community. Mm. He's outside of um, what's happening with the festival because he can't be made clean. Um, and I think that's the type of individual, the, I feel like the least connected you are, the more Jesus wants to connect yeah. with you. Yes, yes, those who are, I mean, have sort of really high levels of, of marginality or vulnerability seem to be those who Jesus often chooses. Um, Matthew, would you, I don't know, would you, what would you add, if anything, to that? Well, I think it's uh, really interesting, Sarah, in your introduction that you pointed out that this um, is a pool um, that was known for healing. And so Jesus is uh, walking by and he notices not just this man, but this is a pool where folks who have um, infirmities, those who have been suffering for long periods, Kathy, you said 38 years, um, anyone who has uh, walked with something for 38 years, um, they they have a way of making it known, I feel like. And Jesus notices in this pool during a festival, which I think is really interesting. I, when I read this text, skipped right over that. Um, with, uh, the festivals, and, and the text doesn't tell us what festival it was, but um, people come to celebrate uh, who they know God to be and who God has promised to be to them. And uh, it's during this festival season that Jesus sees those who are in most need of the provision of people of faith. And so it's really interesting to me that Jesus sees this man and he can't make his way to the water. And one of the things that I find really interesting, the text doesn't tell us what his infirmity was, but we do know that those pools would go up and down because they, I, I heard pool and I thought, oh, it's like a natural spring. But the pools actually, uh, from a little study I did, uh, collected water off of rooftops. And so during uh, rainy seasons, that's how that water would collect. And so those steps could be uh, quite vast uh, depending on the water level. And so this is a person who literally couldn't get to the water, yeah, couldn't get to a source of life or healing. It's interesting. I mean, one of the things that, Matthew, that you named right off the top that, that wondering like why this man, and actually hadn't thought about it this way in a sense that Jesus is seeking out a place. I mean, potentially he maybe he was just there in the temple um, because it was the high holy season. But he seeks out a place where people are um, blind, lame, invalids, which is often a place that I think most of us would avoid. Mm -hmm. um, I that's where I'm like, Ugh, let's not go. Like, let's not seriously. Like, yeah. that's that's the place where people are hurting, um, and that's that makes me pretty uncomfortable. Um, and so I would probably tend to avoid those. But for all kinds of reasons, Jesus finds himself drawn to this place where there are tons of people um, who are hurting. And he finds this man who, um, who is vulnerable at, at the lowest levels mm -hmm. um, and seems to, to seek him out and to ask him. Thinking about that, I wonder, um, again, I have always, as I've read this text, which goes to show you why you should always pay attention to details. I thought when I was getting ready to study this, I thought, oh yeah, this is the story about the man who is lame at the pools of Bethesda. It doesn't actually say that he's lame. It just says that he's been ill. Um, and so I wonder thinking about that, it maybe is harder for most of us to relate to the idea of being lame, um, but we all carry things. We all carry things physically, emotionally, spiritually um, that keep us stuck. So I wonder if you guys might reflect on um, that a little bit. What are some of the ways that we might relate to this to this man? Um, Matthew, I don't know what you think. Well, I'm so glad, Kathy, that you started with um, the fact that 
the text doesn't give us this man's name. The text didn't give us uh, the woman at the well's name. And I think that's one of the great invitations to scripture that it doesn't solve things for us, but it provides room for us to find our story in that story. Bethesda, as you said, um, uh, literally translated is mercy. And so I like to think about this text in this way. Where are the places um, in our lives where we are in need of mercy? And where are we in need of the source of life and healing. So that may be a physical infirmity, it may be a a spiritual infirmity, it may be um, an addiction, it may be something in our past. And so I think the text um, provides us um, a wide path to find our story in this text. And so I think the question for me um, when when you ask that is, um, where where do you feel like you you are in need of mercy in your life? Um, and that provides us many different avenues. And I, I, let me just say this personally. I certainly find my story in that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Kathy, would you, would you add anything to that? I mean, do you find, um, are you able to see yourself in the story of someone who's been, been stuck somewhere for 38 years? Mm-hmm. I think what's funny is his response, right, to Jesus is that Jesus asks him very pointedly, do you want to be made well? Mm-hmm. He's in his state, he's been in his state for so long that that question just blows by him because it doesn't even seem like a reality. Like he's so far in his despair, all he can focus on are the barriers between him Hmm. and his wholeness. And I've, you know, I've been there, you know, I've known here are the answers, here are the tools, but to get myself moving to be motivated enough and to have courage and to actually believe that things will actually come through. There's so much more than the, just get in the water, right? right? Like there's so many things I'm like, oh, if I wanna, you know, do this, like just just focus, just yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, but there's so much more, many more layers and barriers um, that I think all of us can relate yeah. to. Yeah, I love that thing, the idea that even when Jesus asks him that initial question, do you wanna be made well? He just doesn't even answer the question. He just <laughs> skips right over it. And he's like, well, actually you see the problem is, is that I didn't have any friends. And then my bathing suit was a little too sticky. I mean, he just, he can't, he's not even in a place to be able to receive mercy. Well, and what I find super interesting is he knows he, this man thinks he knows how to be made well. He's like, Jesus, I know how this works. I show up at this pool um, and this spirit floats around this water and the first three people in the water, they get healed. Here's my problem. I'm in the right place to get healed and I just can't get to the water. Like, so thank you very much. I've done all the work to get here and I just can't get in. Yeah. And Jesus is like, well, Let's chat about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or did he? Or he was just like, I'm done here. I'm done here. <laughs> I've done my work. One of the things that I always think is hard about miracle stories is that it's hard um, not to see a miracle, to hear about a miracle, to know about miracles without wanting one of your own. Um, we humans love rules. We want to know um, things that are controllable. Um, and we want to be able to control miracles. And so the questions of faith almost always are, well, why did this person get healed or this person recover and why not me or why? why? We, want, we want the rules of engagement when it comes to miracles. Thinking about that with this particular text, um, I wonder how we avoid that kind of transactional faith or that kind of control around miracles um, and what details in the story may maybe help move us away from um, if X, then Y. If I have enough faith, 
then I'll get this. If I just pray the right prayers, then this will happen. Um, I don't know. Kathy, what do you think? I think I can think of several stories, right, where the healing is actually in relationship to one's faith. Yeah. Um, and there are stories where that healing then is about the proclamation that Jesus is God's son, that there are those stories in the Bible, but this isn't one of those. Yeah. That if we can kind of fill in those gaps because we're used to hearing those stories, but if we actually pay attention to this particular exchange, um, this man doesn't know that this is Jesus. That he's, we're not told that. No. Um, and so it's, that's not a part of his healing that he go then tell other people, guess what, Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's healed me. Um, and that it's not about his faith. It's not about any action that he has to do. There's no prerequisite um, for Christ for God, for Jesus coming to him and recognizing what needs, what he needs in his yeah. life. Yeah, it's not even clear that this man knows this is Jesus. Like it's just some random guy that shows up at the pool and is like, uh, hey man, you wanna be made well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, Matthew, would you add anything to that? I would, and I think it may, um, I don't know where we're headed next, but I think it, it may get us there, but there are so many layers to this text. Um, the text says that uh, they were in town for a festival um, some argue uh, that it was Passover. Some argue that it was uh, Sakat. Whatever it was, uh, people came to Jerusalem um, to celebrate the festival season, not to celebrate the law, but the spirit of the well, law. Well, I mean, part of what that makes me think about is that with there are all these people there. Why, why didn't anybody help him? Well, see, th th and that's what I find super interesting about this text is... Um, uh, the faithful have a have come in mass. Yeah, uh, they have come to celebrate uh, the spirit of the law, which is, uh, in my interpretation, uh, the present and the presence and the spirit of God as we come to know God in community. And what is it, what does it say about the faithful gathering that can walk by those mm -hmm. who are. Um, yeah. are lame, yeah. who are blind, uh, and, and your law, our laws, um, uh, in, in, in our faith tradition say that we're supposed to seek out the outcast. Right. We're supposed to make room for the orphans. Um, we are supposed to make room for the immigrant among us. So what does this text say to us um, if we come together and those are the people that we bypass? Yeah. I find it super interesting that it is those people that Jesus um, not only seeks out, but claims in this passage. And so it's really layered when we get into it because at the very end, there's a hint. Yeah. Uh, and it was the Sabbath day, yeah. which is a red flag. I mean, like a, a siren show should go off because yeah. that's the text going, oh, but someone who wants to go to the letter of the law is going to have a problem with that. Yeah. Which yeah, for, for me sure. begs the question, spirit of the law, letter of the yeah. law. Does yeah. that make and sense? How, what does that mean for us as community and how we, how we are in community together? Well, I want to say that it is this sense that when we're in community that I think we give ourselves a per permission and pass that like, well, Sarah's here too. Like, I'm, I'm going to just assume that Sarah's a little nicer than I am and better at this, so I'm just going to let her take care of it. Yeah. Um, but what, what Jesus shows us is like, no, like, we're all called to do that. We're all called, even if we don't have that healing power, to show up, to notice, to name, and to ask people, what is it that you need? Yeah, yeah. I know that sometimes 
in miracle stories too, it only seems like it's just about Jesus and an individual or Jesus and this one person. Um, but what you guys have lifted up is that that really is that there's this whole aspect of community um, that's involved in this healing text. Not only does does Jesus show up as the source of mercy and healing and freedom for this man, um, but that others who are there could have helped him um, and are called to help him and called to be interdependent with him in that way. Yeah, and if you keep reading, you know people are watching <laughs> that this isn't some hidden event that people see this happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tip friends, if you're ever um, studying, always make sure to, um, to check out the story before and after. It'll often give you uh, clues and details about our text. Friends, we have had so much fun um, diving into this story a little bit and um, looking more at the details and the nuances with it. And we hope that you will spend some more time reading and studying on your own. There is uh, much rich wisdom to be gained from this text.